and welcome to the Men Up Podcast. I am Christian Shabu. Lamar Wamba. And y'all, today we have a very special guest, very powerful guest. She is the founder and convener of Coaching Kapwa, uh, building holistic wellness and capacity in athletes. She's probably one of the biggest fans of the Men Up podcast. Please welcome Coach Carolyn Sedeco. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I build wellness capacity in athletic practitioners, so not necessarily athletes or like post-athletes. Well, thank you so much. And, and that leads us, you know, into where we want to start here is like, what has been your, your path to doing this work, working within athletics and, and yeah, how, how have you gotten to this work and building Coaching Capua? Coaching Capua was built because I've had for a long time, a love of sports and a love of facilitation of sports. So not just as an athlete, but as an athletic administrator for girls uh, for 20 years, high school girls, I worked at an all girls high school for 20 years, really advocating for girls in sports and the access and the joys that sports participation has. And it's a real need in our, in our context, in our country, in our world for girls and young women uh, to participate in that way. So that was my world for a long time. Um, sports sustained me as a single parent. I have two boys. Um, I grew one of those boys on the basketball court, pretty much. Um, the court, the gym, the sports context was kind of like his playpen. It, it sustained us. So it, it paid me. It was my job. It was uh, not only my livelihood, but also my, my joy, my babysitters, my, <laughs> his joy. And so when I think about sports and how it's uh, been in my life, it's really been um, the thread uh, throughout all aspects of my life, growing programs for people and not for um, institutions. So I wanted to stay human-centered I wanted to stay with the relationships that people have with, with sports and with our sports culture, which is so prevalent in our society. And that's what I wanted to focus on. That's awesome. Yeah, we, I mean, we were just talking about the influence of sports uh, in our lives before we got on the call and uh, talking about fandom and how fandom and the emotion of sport and supporting sports can completely pull your emotions in one direction for the positive and completely pull it in the other direction uh, for the, for the, for the negative. And uh, you know, as we've gotten older, we were both like, Oh yeah, we just got to let some of that go because we can't, we can't be in that emotional space. Well, that's what I do. So I help people modulate that. Right. I, I, I help people really, how, how do we integrate that? Right. How do we integrate that? with each other so so that it not that it's not a control thing I think but but that's the easiest way that people can understand it right there's no other context I think in our society where people seem to be allowed to to either be violent to either be um, you could say stuff at a sporting event that you would never say um, either to people 
or with people or around people. There, there are just behaviors that um, that amaze me. Um, and as, as an athletic administrator at the high school level, which is an educational context, those, those things, those behaviors that we see at the, at the college or professional level um, just aren't acceptable um, at the high school level with, with young, young people. And yet our society tolerates that. So I do, um, I do some workshops with parents of um, young kids um, about their identities as sports parents. And that's, that's an identity that has to be um, honed and it has to be uh, developed. How do we separate competition? Because I think what happens is a lot of people try to wrap up their, their fandom in competition, healthy competition versus like crossing the line that you're talking about with some of these parents and fans where they say these wild and crazy things. I mean, borderline bullying, not borderline disrespectful, but disrespectful, borderline bullying. Like where's the line between the competition and those types of behaviors? And, you know, what are, what are the responses of parents when you share in these workshops? We need to know these signals of how we should regulate ourselves. Um, and yet the signals that we've, we've been receiving as, as we grow and as we socialize, they're changing. They're changing now. And, and I think your podcast does some of that movement change uh, for those signals in our society, right? Um, in sports, uh, it's changing too, slowly, slowly. And so I don't believe, and coaching Kapwa, we don't believe that there's that separation. We don't believe in, in the binaries, like you either are a good fan or whatever. We don't even, me, we don't believe that even competition is healthy. There, there's a, there's a, yeah, you know what? Competition is just problematic. I'm just going to put it out there. It's, it's problematic even if you frame it in a, in a healthy way, even if I wrote, I actually wrote about this last night because I'm an immigrant, because I've come here from other forces that have existed in this world way before me that have made it so I'm here. Competition is something that our American society has socialized me into. And what that looks like, especially in sports, for me, I respect that as, as a way of me understanding my place in this society, whether I'm competing with myself uh, to be a, a, a socialized person, whether it's uh, me competing in the academic realm, uh, professional realm, even personal development. This is, okay, this is kind of deep. Personal development as a competition tool is being used, I believe, right now in our society because we, always, we have to connect it to our money. We have to connect it to, to that resource. And there are many, many organizations, institutions that have come up, especially in this new evolving context of competition. If we do draw a line, 
then we're going to have gatekeepers. And I'm not about having gatekeepers, <laughs> even if it's me. Like people say, oh, you need to establish yourself as an expert in order to get clients. And yet, but then I don't want to put myself as the gatekeeper. Who am I to gatekeep what, what, people, um, what people need? I'm wondering two things here. Like first, you're talking about how competition can be really problematic and maybe even toxic in some examples. And from what I understand of sports, right? Having participated in sports a lot, watched sports a lot, right? Like sports is predicated on competition, right? It is, it is one Correct. team, one person uh, competing against the other person for some goal in mind to win whatever, whatever that is, right? That's the beginning of time. You're right. Since the beginning of time, right? So, so how do you, in, in this idea of like how competition can be so challenging, how do you detangle that for people, particularly school administrators, athletic uh, administrators? Like how do you detangle that, those ideas for them, knowing that their bottom line, to your point, right? Like their bottom line is often, you know, predicated on wins and losses, at least partially, mm -hmm. right? So how do you do that work with them? And then my second question is, why is it that you focus on what sounds like the ecosystem around athletes, right? You identified at the top here that it's not just about athletes. You're working with parents, you're working with athletic administrators, you know, why is it so important to work with those folks? Coaching COPWA is for everyone and it's not going to be for everyone. I think sports is so magnificent and such a wonderful pathway for people to be with one another, to express um, their own self-actualization and expression through sports. And I don't want to gaslight those people. I, I, want, I want those people because I'm one of those people. But again, as boundaries are, are graying as we're losing binaries, as we're moving in and out of, of and shifting our society's values. I'm, I'm pushing out of that. It's, it's the American sports context, you know, can't, can't hold this anymore for me. It, sports is so much bigger and, and more enveloping. And um, there are so many people who've had to foreclose on parts of their own identity because they don't fit into into the ways that our society says that we have to express our love of sports. What I'm hearing there is a more holistic understanding of the importance of sports, right? That it's not just about the competition. It's not just about wins and losses, right? It, and, and we should emphasize and celebrate more the fact of like sports brings us together, right? It, it's about gathering. It's about uh, event and space making and, and being in community, right? And, and how do we, and also to your point, like self-improvement or, or even team dynamic. Everyone has a sports relationship, whether that's positive, negative, or just kind of like, eh, whatever. I like to be in that space. I like to be in that space where, where people interrogate that for themselves. There are people who have visceral, really physical reactions when you talk about sports. Sometimes it's negative. 
Sometimes it's stories of, of a coach who was abusive. Sometimes it's stories about parents who were um, overbearing or parents whose, whose only affirmations of their kids or of their family members was through sports. Um, and especially for, for the women that I am in relationship with, and we talk about this all the time, how did we get there? How did, how did I, as an immigrant, uh, daughter of immigrants, come into America and fall in love with volleyball when I was nine years old? It was because that's how I made friends, right? It was because my, my parents never went to games. I, I didn't, they didn't validate that with me. Um, they have no idea, like, why, like, what does, how can I make money doing sports or standing in the gym? They just think I stand in the gym all day, right? How do I make money? Like, that's not how American money is made, you know? (laughs) So I I think that that's, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one when, when we're trying to expand what sports is for people. And yet we, I have to know that, you know what, it's not, coaching Kapwa is not for everyone. It seems like what you represent is taking the, the second tier elements of what sports brings to our lives, character building, community, uh, teamwork, uh, you know, recognizing the privilege to play, like all these things that are like clearly like the most important things of why we do it but are not recognized universally as the actual gems of why we do it. Because the first tier of that is like competition, winning, being the best, making the most money, having the best comp- best program, right? Like obviously those things are, are in our society at least are number one. The administrators and departments that you end up doing work with, obviously they're attracted to you for a reason to come work with them, but like, what is it in them that they're like, oh, we need some of what you got? They're burnt out. They are overwhelmed. They are at their wit's end. Uh, I work with people who love sports. That's why they're in it. They've had positive, sports has been formative for them. And so they wanted to, to continue that right? As, as a coach, as an athletic administrator, as, as someone who facilitates programs for kids, they want to see that lineage. They want to see, they, they, they want to transmit the exact same things that they benefited from. They want to transmit that to people, right? They want to share that with people. And that's noble, right? And that's wonderful, and that's necessary. And then we put them in systems. I participated in, in that. High school athletic administrators, and now college too, pretty much also. Athletic administrators, coaches, they're expected to carry a responsibility to help student athletes and young people with their mental health. And I'm thinking those are the, you know, like as a profession, we are the worst at taking care of our own mental health. And that's just not our profession. That's other, that's other 
health providing professions. We are, we are generally the worst at modeling that. What we're going to transmit is, is what was transmitted to us. In a lot of ways, that is very toxic. So that's why, especially with the Meta podcast theme this year of the urgency of now, right? And this is, this is the connection. This is the way we, at, at this time, is when we need to shift because we don't want to transmit the same things. We don't want to transmit. Uh, we can't transmit anymore like, uh, uh, what, are, what are they called in, in football? Two-a-days. Like when you practice like all day, then you get like a little break in between. Like there are now regulations that you can't do that. You know, you can't deprive uh, young people of water. Like, ooh, that's a thing now, right? And like, <laughs> like that was a thing. Water clear, yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so I think like that's the urgency of now, how we as administrators and practitioners, how we used to take care of ourselves, literally sitting at a bar, if I, if I wanted some self-care, if I wanted to talk sports, if I wanted to, to when I was officiating, when I wanted to talk about um, my experience, I had to go to a bar. I was a poser for so long because I couldn't handle my liquor. So I would like, <laughs> like order like a beer. I'd like order right, a beer, like a beer. <laughs> babysit that beer for a long time. Oh, okay. Like, oh, well, what do you think? Everyone's ordering like third and fourth rounds. I'm like, cool, I'm cool. But we re-traumatize ourselves all the time in our professions. And now, now is the time to shift that. A lot of good people are burning out. A lot of good people aren't getting trained well. A lot of good people are... Um, are being told they have to do DEI work and they have no idea what that is. They need support with that. They need, they need companionship. And I think that's where, duh, the team comes in. I would love for you, uh, if you're willing, to tell the story of like how you found Men Up uh, just generally, but then also would love to know where you see the intersection with with the work that you're doing, right? Like where you see this intersection of like redefining manhood and masculinity and, and why that's important to your work. And also like what's making you hopeful in these moments about the kind of changes that maybe we're seeing or, or you're seeing through your work. I had done some work in the South. I had done some work with groups of men and in high school athletics, it's still about 80% men in my profession. And we know that in, in many sports professions, it's, it's male dominated. And with the message that I bring with coaching Kappa already, like people are thinking, God, well, that's Carolyn. She's got, she's out there, you know, and, and that's, and that's my message, my message of reimagination, my message of redoing sports. My values are, are very different than our dominant culture values of sports. Um, and then you overlay that into the context of a male-dominated uh, profession. Um, and I was lamenting, as I tend to do um, often, um, why, why are guys, literally guys, why are guys kind of slow on this, in this shift? Why, why is there not this urgency or why can't I find it? 
my sibling, Tony Lynn says, oh, you got to meet my friend Christian. You got to meet Christian. Let me find him. Scrolling on Instagram. Let me find him. You got to talk to him. He does this work. And that's how we were connected. And we were connected at a, at a time when I really was struggling with that. I was struggling with being a, a woman, being identified as a woman in this profession that I love. And I started really consciously thinking about how I practiced my sense of masculinity and power in my work, in my life. And in my shift to coaching Coppola, where I wanted it to be a holistic, I wanted to be a holistic adventure. And, and I was caught. I was caught. It's, it's, it's kind of like Kapo is, is the Filipino term for interconnectedness. And yet I know the lineage of my profession is male. Actually is white male, you know? And so I've made a very intentional uh, plea really to, to find these energies of the shifting energies um, where men are also doing the work. And that's what I needed to find. Because in my context, that is not generally happening. Or if it's happening, I haven't found it yet. We haven't found each other yet. And so what I found was the Men Up podcast and y'all doing the good work um, that we all have to do. I want to know from you what you believe the future of uh, trans people are in sport. Um, and obviously we know that there was a, a huge uh, situation over the last couple of weeks uh, with the collegiate swimmer, uh, Leah Martin, I believe, um, who, you know, I fall on the side of like, we compete, we compete. Um, and I'm just trying to understand, like, where do you think we're going with that? What do you think, where in the world do you think that will exist and how and what, what would the future of this be? I believe there will be a time where we will say, remember back in the day, trans people couldn't compete. Remember back in the day when all that crap was going on about who gets to do this, who doesn't get to do this. Remember that? And right now we're not there. Right now there's still a resistance, right? There's still a resistance to that possibility, to that freedom. There's still the gatekeepers. There's still the systems that are saying that we, we can't imagine that. And yet, I'm confident that that's how it's going to be. It's going to be hard in these days because we have to be vigilant. And we have, we have to practice what those days are going to feel like. Again, the metaphor of sports and practice, right? It's that hard work. It's that hard work to get to the day. There are people preparing for that day um, that we look at this in hindsight, that we look at it as, as a memory. There, that's some hard work that's happening with, with legislation, with resisting legislation, with organizing. And that's the movement that exists. And that's the hard work. And, and yet there's also joy in that. There's joy in that because we know Eventually, we're going to talk about it in the same ways that we used to talk, um, that we used to talk about other things that don't exist anymore. 
Carolyn, as you've mentioned several times uh, during our time, the idea of gatekeepers, right? You, you, that's been one of the themes here. And like, how do we, yeah. how do we get away and from I've been noticing that too. I'm like, goodness gracious, right? I got to unpack that later. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I had a moment here at, at, at one point when you were saying it, and I was realizing that as uh, podcast hosts, you know, there's a little bit of gatekeeping that we do in so much that we don't allow space for our guests to ask questions back or at least create the space for that. And so wanted to offer space for you if you have questions of us to, to open it up because, because yeah, the Men Up podcast is a conversation, right? And I think just because the format is often you bring guests on, you interview them, right? Like, but, but this is a conversation. Ooh, yes. I do have, I do have questions. Because I know like sports is, is an access, is an access point, right? For a lot of people, but how do you approach energies that don't, that, that have trauma around sports, that hate sports? Like did anyone come to you and say, you know what? I hate sports. Like don't talk about sports with me. I don't like sports. Like I don't like sports metaphors. I don't like, you know, that stuff. Like that's not how you're going to, to reach them. Has that happened? We did a series that we called the pod shops. And, and one of the things that came up Ooh, was this wait, relationship. The three workshops, right? The, the three workshops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that came up was this dynamic around sports. And, and I think in that conversation, what we found was the relationship with sports is really complex, right? Like there, there is a lot that sports gave us, right? That, that helped define our, our character, the way we want to carry ourselves in the world in a positive way. And then there are also some things that, to your point, were traumatic and, and have been a source of like having to, to unpack, right? I, I'm reminded of uh, one of the young people on the team, Matt, he, he talked about in a good way that when he got involved in wrestling, wrestling that actually, right. that actually oh. helped him to understand like his own body image and be a little bit more comfortable and be in physical relation to other men and not have that feel awkward or weird or, or even like sexual in a way, right? But that, mm-hmm. that it was just like, physical proximity. Sports, I think for myself, for, for some of the members of our team and, and some of the conversations I've been in over the six years of men up existing is that sports is a, is a place for complex conversation, identity, and, and unpacking some bigger things in our society, which is what you present for us here today too. I love when stereotypes of who's supposed to love sports gets debunked. Um, and, you know, I think about my partner a lot who played sports growing up, but now hates sports as a, she, I don't know if she hates them, but like, she doesn't watch them with me as a moment of like, yeah, let's go do this together. Like if we go to something live, she'll come, but like on TV at the clip and pace that I watch them, she's like not interested. Right. Um, and so, and then there's a lot of like uh, gay male friends that she has that kind of feel similar to her. But then I have a bunch of like gay male friends that love sports too. And so just really like, just watching the, the stereotyping of who's supposed to like or love sport, uh, and seeing some of those barriers uh, and walls come down. As the men of podcasts and the energy and the, and the uh, ways of being and thinking that you all bring into our society or this conversation, um, I'm also having conversations with, with women who are trying to unpack their, the, you know, the, the feminine or the, the, these, these rigid gender roles, right? Um, and I see 
the men of podcast and I see the work that y'all do. Um, and I see the, the work that's happening, you know, kind of like in, in, yeah, like we, we've got our teams and stuff. And so now like, in, yeah, instead of competition, right. Or the game, like, what is the contest? What is the game? Like, how are we, how do we then interrelate with one another? How do, um, I was talking with a friend of mine, Jen, and I was like, how, how do we, women who've developed a health, oh, sometimes toxic, also definitely toxic um, idea of our own femininity. How have we used our um, traits, our, our, our stereotypical, our tropes of who we are as a woman in sports, right? How have we used that? How have we leveraged that to get what we want, right? In, in our male dominated, um, in our male dominated context. I learned how to get what I wanted through, through sports context, right? That's how, if that's how I'm gonna get validation from this male dominated context, I'm going there. I'm gonna do that because it's either gonna get my kids in programs, it's either gonna get us access to things, it's gonna get, it's gonna get me um, teaching um, and, and promoting these different concepts in front of people, right? Um, I've leveraged that and I, I, I lead with that. And, and the conversations, the recent conversations I've had with Christians that they've recently bit me in the ass because, and this is what's beautiful about it, because there are also men doing the work to come, to, to come this way, right? It, to come this way in, in, in that spectrum, we're no longer in the binaries, right? And so we're swirling around in this spectrum and we're, we're finding each other. So I, I wanted to have a healthy um, and just a real positive interconnection in that way. And so, yeah, I've had to practice being a lot more, as, as my sibling Tony Lynn likes to say, um, I have to practice my consensual and my permissions conversations. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today. And yeah, we look forward to the next time you join us on the Men Up podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. The Men Up podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viotti Design Studio. Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.